Welcome to your new favorite bookish podcast, Fully Booked and Caffeinated. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Heather. And today we will be discussing Shadow and Bone by Lee Bardugo. As usual, let's talk about our fuel for this discussion. What coffee did you drink today, Heather? I went to Starbucks and got my hot caramel brulee latte. Ooh, festive. I know. And then what was ironic, I was in the line at drive through and my mom texted me about the half-off drinks for tomorrow. And I was like, guess I gotta go yeah. back tomorrow. <laughs> I saw that too. I was like, yeah. between 12 and 6, okay. Yeah, so I was like, okay, twist my arm. I'll come back after work. Which, we're recording this on the 29th, so if you're yeah. listening, you already it's missed not. it. Sorry. Yeah, you already missed it. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry to bear bad news, but... They'll do it again. It'll be fine. I was back on my bullshit today and Mm. hit legs. So I had a little protein coffee with my double espresso over ice, added my coffee protein shake. And yeah, it wasn't as exciting as yours. But you know what? Not every day can be a Starbucks day. No, it can't. As much as I want it to be. I know. But then I'd have to leave the house and you know. (laughs) You're I don't not, do that every if day. If you don't have to leave the house, <laughs> then you're not leaving the house. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, cheers. Cheers. All right. So our author, Lee Bardugo, was born in Jerusalem and raised in Los Angeles. And I was actually surprised to find out that on her father's side, she's of Moroccan Jewish descent, which so am I. That's so funny. Oh, my gosh. And you don't hear that very often. (laughs) So she has an English degree from Yale, which I certainly do not have. So... The similarities have ended between us, but we had one thing in common. Before publishing her first novel, she worked in copywriting and journalism, so the passion for writing is running deep. Mm -hmm. She's the creator of the Grishaverse, obviously, and also the widely popular Ninth House, which is also the start of a series. And the second book in that series came out very recently. Yeah, I think it's called Hellbent. I think so, too. Because they were actually both book... I didn't choose either of them, but they were both book of the month choices. Okay. Mm -hmm. That makes sense because this is definitely the type that would be in book of the month. Mm -hmm. So she was ranked the sixth most popular author between 2016 and 2021 on Goodreads, which considering how many authors there are, that's That's pretty impressive. That is pretty impressive. For five years, too. Mm Mm-hmm. So this book that we're talking about, Shadow and Bone, actually came out in 2012. I did not realize that it was that long ago. No, me either. And it's her debut novel. Baffling. How many of these books that we cover (laughs) that are debut novels, and I'm always in shock because of how insanely popular they are. I know. And it's not even like like they have like a couple books that came out. And then that book is what made them popular. So people go back and read the first one. No, it's like literally their first book is just so successful. (laughs) It's literally a book lottery and Uh they're winning. Exactly. It's incredible. So this is the first in the Grishaverse, which spans three separate series. They can be read as standalone series, but technically they all go together. Mm -hmm. And even if you go to her website, she says like what order to read them in. So it starts with the Shadow and Bone trilogy, then the Six of Crows duology, then the King of Scars duology. Plus there are four other books that are kind of supplemental. They're not part of the series, but one is a prequel. One is a book of dark fairy tales that give oh. like Grishaverse vibes. That's cool. Um, 
Yeah, so basically once you get into this series, you're going to be stuck in the Grishaverse for a little bit. There's a Netflix adaptation, which has two seasons, but has since been canceled. And the TV series kind of takes the whole Grishaverse into one and even introduces like side storylines, like takes certain characters and kind of expands a separate storyline and introduces it that's not from the book. So we've talked about this before. It makes sense to read the whole series before watching the Netflix adaptation. Yeah, because I had started it and I got to like the first like two episodes. and I was like, you know what? I want to read this first. So then I stopped watching it and then I read the first three of the Grishaverse and then I still have the other four to go. But yeah. But I heard, yeah, because like, it definitely puts the it six all together. Of, yeah, the Six of Crows duology is, I know, a lot of people's favorite. Mm, okay. So I'm looking forward to reading that one. Yeah, definitely. All right. So here is our Goodreads summary. Surrounded by enemies, the once great nation of Ravka has been torn in two by the Shadowfold, a swath of near-impenetrable darkness crawling with monsters who feast on human flesh. Now its fate may rest on the shoulders of one lonely refugee. Alina Starkov has never been good at anything, but when her regiment is attacked on the fold and her best friend is brutally injured, Alina reveals a dormant power that saves his life, a power that could be the key to setting her war-ravaged country free. Wrenched from everything she knows, Alina is whisked away to the royal court to be trained as a member of the Grisha, the magical elite led by the mysterious Darkling. Yet nothing in this lavish world is what it seems. With darkness looming and an entire kingdom depending on her untamed power, Alina will have to confront the secrets of the Grisha and the secrets of her heart. (laughs) They really had me until the secrets of her heart. It's a little bit dramatic, but I'll let it go. Because the rest of it is intriguing. It is. It absolutely is. I mean, especially the the monsters who feast on human flesh, mm. the darkness looming, you know, it's, it just <laughs> caps. It, it gets you in there. Yeah. So let's start with running through the plot and then we'll kind of focus on some of these themes and relationships that are throughout this story. So we start out with our main characters, Alina and Mal. They grew up together in an orphanage and they were extremely close because they were basically all each other had. And as they grow up, they still have their friendship, but they're kind of growing apart. Mm -hmm. So Mal has become handsome, cocky, an excellent soldier, and an amazing tracker. He's one of the best in his regiment. No, the best in his regiment. (laughs) He's super popular. And Alina is kind of shy and not really super talented yeah she's a map maker but even she says she's not very good at that it's just kind of like that's the job she does so people don't really understand their friendship because they seem unmatched like on, on different levels especially like his confidence and her shyness and alina also has a little crush on mal but he doesn't see her that way so She's just worried about hanging on to their friendship and she can see it slipping away. So the army has to venture into the shadow fold, which we heard about from our little blurb. It's a very scary place and they have to cross through it to the other side to get items for trade and et cetera, et cetera. Basically, it's inevitable and everyone is very nervous about it. And it's like, I don't remember what they said, but some ridiculously low survival rate like there's a lot of people dying when they're going through here Mm -hmm. and they're just like okay let's go yeah i'm like why bother and you already know what your fate's gonna be just stay here and make your maps Mm -hmm. um so there's an attack obviously and mal gets injured 
And somehow Alina stops the Volcra, which are these giant scary birds. I picture them as mean pterodactyls. So did I, actually. They, they are, I really right? did. Like, That's a, that was what I pictured as well. Yeah, because they're huge and they talk about their like leathery wings and they just, they sound scary. And they're feasting on human flesh. So we're not fans of it. So she's captured and brought in front of the Darkling, who determines that she's a sun summoner. And she's like, I don't even know what that is. Apparently, very rare. Very rare. Because everyone is losing their shit that there could be a sun summoner in their presence. And now, all of a sudden, she's a Grisha, who are basically these gifted individuals and there's all different types so there's healers there's heart stoppers fire summoners wind summoners there's a lot and they there's a lot it's actually a pretty cool concept all all like the different the different ways that they can be yes because they're all grisha but they all have so Mm -hmm. they don't have magical powers but they have the ability to manipulate the elements to their whim yes so even though it's not necessarily magical powers they're all gifted with a certain inclination and that's how they determine like what type of summoner they're going to be or if they're healers or whatever and when i first opened the page and they had the list of all of them with their names that i can't pronounce i was like I i'm overwhelmed i don't know if i could do this i would literally sit there and just sound it out to myself and then i would wouldn't remember how i said it when i would find it again in the book so it was just when it comes to these fantasy novels with all these crazy names it's Mm -hmm. you just you wing it you just pretend and like you know that sometimes you're not saying it right and you're like yes but that's just the way i say it Mm -hmm. it's fine like that's the way i'm reading it in my brain so of all the grisha the darkling is the most powerful among them and alina thinks that he's mistaken because she's never had an inkling of this power before so how can she possibly be now they don't say how old they are but she's an adult And how could she possibly be capable of all of this without even knowing it? Mm -hmm. So they don't listen to Alina's protests. They relocate her to Os Alta, which is the capital where the king and the Darkling and all the Grisha live. And they move her there for her own protection and to train to be able to control her power. So throughout all of this, there's a weird dynamic developing between Alina and the Darkling. The Darkling sounds hot. I'm going to say it. Oh, yes. And they have Ben Barnes that plays him in the show, and per- I think perfect casting. Wasn't he? This Narnia? is a handsome man. It is a handsome man, and I see him in his in his cloak. Uh huh. He was in yeah. He was in Narnia, Westworld. Yes, and of course, Westworld. he's in one of the Marvel movies. Who yeah. isn't? Okay, yeah, I, I could get behind that casting. Mm-hmm. So she talks back to him. She says things no one else would think to say because he can literally slice people in half from afar. By just swiping his hands through the Which air. Which is wild. It is wild. And also Alina gives no fucks. Like she <laughs> is incapable. She has no filter. She's incapable of not like making a joke, of not being sarcastic with him. And I'm like, we love a sarcastic queen, even though he could just murder you. <laughs> You're dead. And he's also her biggest hype man. Tells her that she's his savior and the only hope to get rid of the fold and keep the Grisha as the most powerful and keep their country intact. He tells her, I've been waiting a long time for you, Alina. 
You and I are going to change the world. And he explains their plans like this because she doesn't understand why her power is so important and why it's so necessary to him. So he explains it to her and he says, my great, great, great grandfather was the black heretic, the darkling who created the shadow fold. It was a mistake, an experiment born of his greed, maybe his evil. I don't know. But every darkling since then has tried to undo the damage he did to our country. And I'm no different. I've spent my life searching for a way to make things right. You're the first glimmer of hope I've had in a long time. Meanwhile, Alina is like, um, my guy is delusional and putting way too much pressure on me, but okay, Uh if you say so, all-powerful man. And the Darkling, being this big sweet talker, Alina is kind of fascinated that he's so interested in her, and he ends up kissing her. I remember I read this part in the book and I and I had I texted my friend because she loves the series and I was like listen I know that the Darkling is 100% bad news like I can just tell from the jump he's gonna be bad news but that scene in the book was so attractive mm-hmm. I was like oh this yeah. was I was like I'm not I know that I'm I don't ship them trust me I don't but that was a a moment tm like it was so good what was like take me to the dark side baby Uh uh-huh let's Mm go and obviously we knew this was coming i saw a lot of people online complaining about the predictability yeah it's a it's a ya novel also i was like wowie wow 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 the most powerful man out here and he's lipsing alina like Mm -hmm. okay anyway alina does horribly in battle training and training to call her gift. Day after day, she's embarrassed and discouraged. They're basically putting her through like Grisha training camp. They're having her learn all the history of the Grishaverse and read all these books. And you have to remember that these other Grisha discovered their power when they were very young, like when they were younger than eight, because they said that eight would have been very old. Like that's when the Grisha had visited them at the orphanage. So they're learning this like from birth, basically. Yeah, basically. And she's trying to catch up. Mm -hmm. And so every day she does battle training because you can't always rely on your power. And training with Bagra, where she's trying to learn how to control the power that she has. Because until now, she's not able to call it of her own will. Something has to be threatening her in order for her to call her power. So it's more of a defensive thing, and it's supposed to be an offensive thing. Yes. So she's doing horribly. She's She can't eat. She can't sleep. She's embarrassed. It's horrible. She's like, the Darkling might kill me because I can't deliver what he wants me to deliver. And then one day she has this epiphany, and she realizes that she stifled her gift back when they were eight years old, when the Grisha came to the orphanage, so that she wouldn't have to leave Mal, because Mal was all she knew. And once she realized that she was tethered to him, and she released that, she was able to unleash her power. Mm -hmm. And once she's able to call her power, everything changes. She's able to eat and rest and train. And even though Bagra still gives her a hard time, she's getting stronger every single day. And finally, she starts to believe what other people have been telling her that she actually is capable of so much. So the big plot line here is that Alina has this huge power, but she needs an amplifier in order to make it powerful enough to help the Darkling. So their goal is to close the shadow fold altogether and restore the country back to its original land and not have this 
basically even, chasm it, of death. I know. It's, it's like, like <laughs> it's, when I like envision it, it's literally just like, and I, I did watch the show, the first two episodes. So I mm-hmm. kind of had an idea of what it would look like. But still, like in your mind, you're just, it's just like a huge black rift in between countries. And yeah. it's kind of wild to think about. And it's like an abyss. To, yes. Yeah, exactly. And they just are like, let's plow right on through and hope we live. Like, what did y'all do before Alina came? Mm -hmm. I don't know. So that's the goal is to be able to put their powers together and get rid of the shadow fold altogether. But in order to have enough power, because she is so new to it, and because the amount of power they would need is so immense, she needs an amplifier. So they're on the hunt for this mysterious stag that's only been rumored in fairy tales. No one even knows if it's real. But the Darkling is betting on it. He believes it's real. Mm -hmm. He knows that the stag's antlers will be the ultimate amplifier to Alina's power. We're chasing rainbows here, but if the Darkling says it, we're doing it. Exactly. Meanwhile, there's the Apparat, who is a hella creepy priest. Oh my god, this was the weirdest character. So he just kind of shows up places and... Like a creep. He appears a bunch of times in the book, but doesn't actually do anything. So I haven't read the second one. So I'm guessing they're setting him up to be a bigger character yes. in the next few books. Because, yes. yeah, because at the end, he's sitting in for the king when the king is ill. So in this book, it's just kind of like his whole role is just to be creepy as fuck. I know, because like my dude just like pops up in the library and he's like, here, you should read this book. Like this is the Grisha, like, dic- you know, dictionary kind of thing yeah. and it's like you need this and it's like where did he come from and he's just you know and like, she like tries to run away and he's like you don't like my gift i know <laughs> no i know he doesn't look like this and i and i wish i could remember their name in harry potter it's not is it finch the guy like the long scraggly hair who has like the cat and he's oh, in like the hogwarts filch filch there you go mm-hmm. i kind of like i know that this is not at all what this dude looks like because he's like kind of like you know but in my head like he just has you know like he's like hunched over which he's probably really not but this was that was just what i envisioned. I picture him in like full priest outfit like yeah talking softly like luring someone and she says that he smells like death like it's mm-hmm. just it's not a great picture yeah. that we're painting and he corners Alina at one point and tells her that she's very dangerous and will only become more dangerous. And she's like, say what now? And he says, there's something more powerful than any army, something strong enough to topple kings and even darklings. Do you know what that is? Faith. So Alina's just confused. She There's just a lot trusts. being thrown at her. There's there's so much. So she fully trusts the Darkling because everything he's said so far has been true and has made sense. And she has been coming into her power just like he said that she would. But every now and then something like this happens and someone says something that makes her doubt mm-hmm. and just get kind of confused. Because at times she'll reflect and be like, I actually don't know anything about what's going on. I don't know anything about the Grishaverse. I only know what I was told, you know, in my very small bubble. And she grew up in an orphanage like her entire life. So she was never really exposed to the Grisha. I know in the army, there was there's some Grisha that are there and everything. Mm -hmm. But that's still not a big enough world for her to be fully open to. Yeah. And it sounds like the leader of the orphanage was very opinionated and Mm -hmm. also told them 
the way the world works. Mm-hmm. But that was the only input that they had, her and Mal. So it's kind of like they knew partially that she was kind of full of shit mm-hmm. because, you yeah. know, as soon as they got into out into the real world. But that's really all that she has to go on. So then we have the huge ball where Alina finally feels alive. She harnesses her power alongside the Darkling. And they put on this wild performance and he shows his desire to her and corners her in a dark room and starts getting freaky. And (laughs) she's riding a high. I mean, she is having the night of her life. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, all right, I'm gonna come to your room later. Okay. And she's like, (laughs) and she like doesn't answer. And then she's like, you know, he's coming. Literally. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) Okay. Then she's riding this high and she sees Mal out of fucking nowhere. Uh-huh. And here is where the roller coaster of emotions really just starts dipping and diving. So she's been writing to Mal this whole time with no response. And she finally forced herself to let him go and forget about him. And then here he is. And she's so happy to see him. But she can tell that something has changed between them. And he's kind of cold towards her. And he just. He looks tired. He looks he looks different. He doesn't look yeah. like the Mal that she remembers. And he's been worried about her. He didn't receive any of her letters. And he saw her on stage with the Darkling and saw their chemistry. And he is bothered. Bothered. <laughs> but Alina thinks it's jealousy about the lavish life she's living and not jealousy about the Darkling's interest in her. Because our girl may have harnessed her power, but she is still very naive about what's going on very naive and also a little immature oh yeah the immaturity really shows through it really does and you can't blame her because even as she was growing up she didn't have many other friends besides mal she didn't really fit in she wasn't really exposed to a Mm. lot and now all of a sudden especially like we didn't even talk about it but now she's living this lavish lifestyle when she grew up in the orphanage and you know in the army they weren't necessarily live in the large life no, like no. it's just completely different so she thinks of course mal's gonna be jealous about that and because of the way that they left things off she never thinks that mal could be interested in her because he never ever gave her any inkling of that mm-hmm. and now he's just like pissed off and mm-hmm. they get into this little argument and he's an asshole and she's an asshole and that's how they leave it. And then that same night, Bagra corners Alina in the middle of the night and tells her she needs to escape. The Darkling is lying to her and wants to increase the fold, not destroy it. She reveals that he is actually the Black Heretic and she is his mother. Once the Darkling has the stag around Alina's neck, she will basically be his servant for the rest of her very long life and he will be able to control her amplified power. Pause for a second here because the way Alina trusts Bagra and immediately starts putting the pieces together, I was surprised that they had this happen so quickly. Like, it just seemed very unrealistic to me. Yeah. It's kind of like the author was almost rushing to get to the ending. Mm-hmm. But it's it's like the typical thing I think I feel like we see. There's always so much buildup in novels. And then you get to that moment where the big thing is revealed. And it's also it's always kind of like anticlimactic because the buildup was so strong. And then yeah. the way that the ending is written, sometimes it's like lackluster. Yeah. And it's also they've spent all of this time 
building this relationship mm-hmm. between Alina and the Darkling. And yes, yeah, she has a couple of doubts, but ultimately she does trust him. And he hasn't done anything to make her not trust him. So the fact that, you know, she starts thinking about it for a minute and she's like, oh, my God, you're right. He's going to ruin the entire world. I, yeah, I everyone know. is going to die. I we have to go. It was, she was she just kind of blindly trusts Bagra about it without any like real proof of anything, which mm-hmm. you would feel like Alina's character. She wouldn't act on impulse. I feel like she's not an impulsive character. Yeah, I agree with that. I think if they had given it some time for her to like simmer over it and like start to realize piece Mm -hmm. by piece all of the things and realize, you know, see them in a different light, Mm -hmm. it would have made more sense. But I get it. She's got to get out that night, whatever. Also, the same night that she's like riding this high that she's about to get banged by the Darkling. Like, I'm staying. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'll leave in the morning. I know. It was, again, like the build up, the knock on the door. She thinks it's the Darkling. She's all like excited. Mm-hmm. And then she opens it. And it's like this old, this old lady. And she's yeah. just like, hey, BTW, there's some things you don't really know that you should know. And I'm his mom. That part, that part I'll say I don't think I liked. Okay. I, because they didn't expand on it enough. Like, she could have revealed who he was without saying she was his mom, I guess. Maybe not. Yeah. I don't know. I will say that she does show up in the next two books, and there is more. Okay. So you'll get more of that backstory and more involvement okay. in that. Because I, I agree. Accept, it was just, it was like a, a, a bomb drop, and then there was mm-hmm. no, there was nothing else after that. You're just kind of left with that little cliffhanger waiting until the next the next book. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I felt it was a little unnecessary, but if it comes back, then... It does. Okay. All right. I'll let that one go then. (laughs) So she escapes in the middle of the night instead of getting banged out by the Darkling. And as she's just running amok through the countryside, like she has no skills whatsoever to make her able to escape. She's found by Mal because obviously he's the expert tracker and she needs help. And so he abandons his regiment and decides his sole purpose is now to protect Alina and help her escape. Yeah. And for the first few days, she doesn't even tell him why she left or what's happening or anything. He's just like, okay, we got to keep going. And like, they don't even speak. And it's because he thinks that she had a lover's quarrel with the Darkling and that there's a chance that she's just going to change her mind and be like, okay, like, I'm not upset anymore. I'm going to go back to the Darkling. Yeah. Like, okay, this is this is some high school bullshit, okay? The Darkling is one billion years old. So they decide to go on their own journey to find the stag because Mal is like, if anyone's going to find it, it's going to be me. And throughout all this, Mal confesses his love for her. We all saw this coming. Mm-hmm. And he realizes that when she was gone, he just missed her so much and he'd been so worried about her. And now he's risked everything his whole life to protect her. And so now they're stuck together. And then, of course, they find the stag because, of course, they do. And Alina looks the stag in the eyes and she refuses to kill it. She's like, we'll find another way. I, I couldn't take this beautiful creature's life. And then, surprise, surprise, Darkling is here to finish the job. Mm-hmm. And just from right behind her, and there's like an arrow that pierces the stag right in front of her eyes. And then she has to watch the poor stag die. And they take the stag's antlers, they put them around Alina's neck, and now her power is amplified. And immediately the Darkling taps into her power and mm-hmm. shows that he's in control. 
And yeah. she tries to stop him. She tries to push it down. Not happening. Because mm-hmm. he's so much more powerful than yeah. her. So he brings them back to us, Ulta, keeping Alina controlled by threatening Mal every chance that he can. And says that it's time to carry out his plan that he's had from the beginning. So they journey back into the fold with the leaders of the surrounding areas. And the Darkling shows his power, how he can control the Volcra and also expand the darkness of the fold. So he expands the darkness, kills a bunch of his own people just to show how easily and how quickly he could take over mm-hmm. everything. And he tells the other leaders there will be no more war and the peace will be on his terms. And they can't really do anything but agree. No. Yeah. And it's complicated because even though the Grisha who are with them get a glimpse of the darkness and the power that the Darkling now possesses, they're desperate for a life without war. Mm-hmm. So they still back him. Plus, they're terrified because, like I said, he can slash people in half by waving his hands. So yeah. there's that. We're not going against this man. It's not no. happening. Except Alina, because... <laughs> She's Alina. Like we said, (laughs) Alina never gives no shits. Um, She realizes that her sparing the stag's life is the same as killing it. So she's able to harness its power. Yeah. And then she reaches within herself. She takes her power back. She, my favorite part is the Darkling, like, tries to reach back in. Mm -hmm. And she, like, shrugs him off. She's like, yeah, he was nothing. Yeah. And it's like, once she realizes that, she's even more powerful than Mm -hmm. the Darkling. Yeah. Which is insane. So she saves Mal, and she leaves all who are on the skiff to die, including the Darkling. Although they don't actually believe that he has died. Because if he did, then... There's no way. The Grishaverse would end. So. Yeah, that, and also he's he's an all powerful being. Like you're really not gonna get him that easily. It's gonna take a yeah, little bit more work. Like, exactly. Exactly. You're not just gonna shroud him in some darkness. But everyone else on the skiff probably died. So the story ends with Mal and Alina off to sea to escape and find a new life for now. But they know the Darkling will come for them eventually. Mm-hmm. So let's go back and discuss a couple things that make more sense now that we have the full picture aka mal's love and the darkling's betrayal yes so first the relationship with genya only friend and it's a strange dynamic because genya is technically a servant Mm-hmm. But she is the only sanity Alina has, especially while she's struggling becoming Grisha. It's also implied that the Darkling has power over Genya and mm-hmm. she and he has kind of saved her from certain things to gain her trust, but also still has complete control over her. And the king has used her as a sexual object. Yeah. And in the end, we don't find out exactly what happened, but she messed with the king's health to make sure that he couldn't stop the Darkling once they had the stag. And Alina realizes that she'll do anything to get some power and become a real Grisha instead of an in-betweener where she's not quite part of the Grisha universe, but she's not fully a servant, you know? And Alina ultimately forgives her because she knows what Genya has been through and she also knows how that power can go to your head. What did you think of their relationship overall? Like after we get that final kind of betrayal from from Genya, do you think that she was trustworthy? It was disappointing that that was the outcome, but then also kind of understandable because you got to fight for yourself. So it 
if supporting the Darkling is what's going to get her further to what she wants, she obviously has to betray Alina to do that. And she's also only known Alina a short period of time. Mm-hmm. Whereas she's been with the Darkling and she also she also has I can't remember his name. There was that guy that like makes the things that she has like a Oh like on. David. It was yeah. some like very average yeah. name. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so she there's things there that she's depending on. And so she kind of just has to do what she has to do. But I did like their friendship in the book. I thought that yeah. her trying to make Alina, you know, glamorize her to make her feel like a certain way and, and really kind of pulling. I feel like she pulled a lot of confidence out of Alina that she didn't have. Oh, yeah. I think so, too. And also, she does, you know, try to warn Alina and say, you know, we're all under the power of the Darkling. We would all give in to him, but be careful what you do. And, you know, basically saying, don't bang the Darkling. And Alina's like, no, I'm going to do it. But I think that their friendship, I really liked it. But after that ending, I feel like it was more a friendship out of convenience for Genya. I agree with that as well. And so even though it, it could have been a true friendship, but it still wasn't, it wasn't enough. Whereas I feel like when Alina bonds with someone, she'll do anything for them. Takes on a whole and, meaning. Yeah. And I mean, that's also saying something that Alina has been in this world for much less time. And Genya has been through a lot more horrible things mm-hmm. and a lot more abuse. And, you know, she has a lot more to fight for. Yeah. So I, I understood her decision. And I like that they put in there that Alina forgives her because she understands. Yeah. And I she's like not going to hold a grudge. And I feel like Alina has that kind of soft heart that she's able to forgive because I think she saw the good in Genya, but then also the trouble that she was dealing with. And so she kind of has to, you know, like you said, like she understands as as bad as Mm -hmm. it is. She, she understands. Mm -hmm. And she even says like, tell David, I forgive him. Mm -hmm. Also, we have to talk about this quote from the darkling that basically manifests itself into every situation. Once Alina realizes what's truly happening. But of course, the first time he says it, he's seducing her. Yes. And he says, the problem with wanting is that it makes us weak. And when he first says it, he's talking about how he shouldn't be wanting her and it's gonna, you know, take his eye off the prize and blah, blah, blah. But really, it's, it's true for so many people. It's true for Genya, who does unsavory things to become a Grisha, like we said, even though she knows they're wrong. It's true for Mal, who has to protect Alina at all costs because he loves her. And most of all, it's true for Alina, who does all of this, everything, because she came from being an unwanted orphan, not really fitting into the army, not making friends easily. And she finally has hope and she finally feels accepted. And she wanted to be special and powerful and live up to all the things that the Darkling filled her head with. And Of course, that wanting made her weak to his influence. Yeah, he was definitely manipulating her in all the right ways. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I don't think she was very hard to manipulate, unfortunately, because she was immature. You know, and it's kind of, it was expected, obviously. But I think if I was a younger reader reading this book, like the nefarious person that the Darkling is, is is shocking because Mm -hmm. you don't you want to believe that he's this great guy and that he's trying to fix things and you know he's falling for the mousy girl and all these things it's kind of like what anybody would want and then you come to find Mm -hmm. out that he's actually keeping tabs on her because he needs her power and he wants to manipulate her and he wants to control her and everything's a lie and 
life mm-hmm. sucks and you know <laughs> the darkling played her and the moral of the story is never trust a man dark vibes man okay do you think the darkling ever had any real feelings for alina or was he solely trying to manipulate her um i think he was solely trying to manipulate her but i also think that he's probably lived a life of no one caring about him and i'm sure it was nice for that hot minute when alina when he felt kind of like not love from alina because it really didn't didn't get that far but just like an appreciation and awe he's already kind of been exposed to all these other people this is someone new and it's so it's kind of like gratification for him and also someone who's not terrified of him yeah like someone that he could have a conversation with and those are the parts where like you said as a young reader especially when they're having their one-on-one talks and she sees the vulnerability in him Mm -hmm. and he kind of like reveals a little bit of himself and obviously he's manipulating her especially when he's telling her about you know the heretic and all this stuff because he's lying but it is kind of hard to believe that all of that was fake i mean Mm -hmm. i do think that he was manipulating her the whole time because that was the whole point but he was so damn good at it i know i know and you know He was having a little fun along the way. Who can blame him? Not me. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So what about Mal and Alina's relationship? What did you Um, think of this? In this book specifically, it's, you knew that, you knew that eventually that that they were going to admit their love for each other. Like that was obviously coming. So, Mm -hmm. but it was, it was hard too, because there was such a big chunk of the book that they weren't together because they got separated. And so... It's almost kind of aggravating in this book, their relationship, because in the beginning, Alina's pining for him. And then at the end, Mal's pining for her. And it's just it's like, why couldn't you guys just get your shit together all those years ago? Like, clearly, this is more than Mm -hmm. just but then again, they were like each other's family for so long. So that's kind of like a line you don't know if you're actually ready to cross. Whereas Lena was yeah. there 100%. She's always been there. And I think Mal's always been there too, but he just wasn't willing to... He's a dude. He wasn't willing to actually yeah. look into like the sensitive part of himself to, to find it. And I it. think even when Alina was there, she wouldn't necessarily have wanted more than what they had because mm-hmm. he acted like an idiot and he yeah. acted like one of the boys and he was mm-hmm. always with other girls and stuff. So even though she felt that way, I don't think she necessarily would have wanted anything with him anyway you know what i mean because it's going to completely shift their dynamic of their Mm -hmm. current relationship and she sees the way that he treats other girls Mm -hmm. so it's like i also kind of found mal to be a little unexciting like yes he was sacrificing his life and professed his love to her and you know all of that but honestly what the darkling said at the end about how mal will never be able to understand her power yeah i think that that's true yeah And it's like, he's never going to be able to understand what she went through, even in that short time, being a Grisha, coming into her power, all of that stuff. So obviously, that's, you know, can be explored in these future books. But I just felt like, because like you said, they were apart for so long, and then they come back together, and we're supposed to root for them for like, happily ever after. Yeah. And it's like, you both are so damaged. Yeah, you don't really get that. that. Yeah, you don't get that happily ever after tone at all. Because it, it, seems, mm-hmm. it also seems kind of awkward between them. I yeah. felt, you know, it was just, they had such a positive tone in the beginning of the book. And at the end of the book, it's just kind of melancholy. Yeah. And they can't even fathom what each other has been through because 
Mal had to watch two of his best friends die. Yeah. And, you know, he's seen all of all of these people die because he was out fighting and tracking and doing all this stuff. And so he thinks that Alina was just living the lavish life while he was out fighting. And she knows the struggles that she went through when she was with the Grisha. So it's just kind of like a misunderstanding yes. that they they never really get on the same page before all of this stuff happens. Yes. It's that's kind of like the trend in their relationship, it feels like. Yeah. It's yeah. Never on the same page. <laughs> and they're just kind of like relying on that family bond that they've always had. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, but we're family. So like of course now we're in love and it's gonna work out. Mm-hmm. Girl, you got the darkling after you. Yes. You can't have a relationship. And Obviously, my feelings did a 180 on both Mal and the Darkling. I mean, the author really had me bamboozled on both of those men. The Darkling, we knew it was coming, but the way it was written was really good. And Mal, I was just not expecting him to be the sappy type at the end and be like, girl, you stuck with me. I'm giving up my whole life for you. Mm -hmm. Wasn't expecting it. So what do you think of Alina as a character overall? After seeing her grow and change and her arc throughout this story. It's like awe-inspiring for her because she came from nothing to now being this being this important figure. So her life, like we've talked about, completely changes. So she goes from having nothing, growing up with nothing, to now all these people praising her and jealous of her and, and everything. So it's, she's, it's a complete change, like a complete, it's a whole new persona. So now she has to find herself as the sun summoner. So she went through her entire life as just Alina, this, you know, simple girl to now she's Alina, the sun summoner with this miraculous power, one of her kind. Mm -hmm. And everyone's future is basically resting on her shoulders. Yes. I, I think she had that snarky personality that I loved Mm -hmm. that she kind of needed in order to get through life once she was out of the orphanage and mal was so successful like he was the best tracker he was you know he was really making a name for himself Mm -hmm. and she was just kind of coasting she had these walls up because you know she didn't really let anyone else get close to her not that anyone was really trying and as she finds a friend in Genya. She starts to break down those walls. And as she finds her power and she grows her confidence, obviously I think she's naive, but I don't blame her for that. Especially when she went from, like you said, basically being invisible to being Mm -hmm. the savior of everyone. And it could have gone all to her head, but it didn't because the whole time she's still doubting herself. Like, is this real? Like, especially when she was like, yeah, especially when she was like sucking and all the lessons and stuff. She's like, I told you guys, I warned you that I couldn't do this. Like, (laughs) no, this is on you. (laughs) And so I just liked her whole attitude Mm -hmm. that she was kind of Mm self-aware. And yeah, you definitely see her grow, but it's out of necessity because all of a sudden she's thrust into this life and she's been betrayed and tricked and almost got tricked into ending the world which is kind of a big deal i mean it's a big deal (laughs) imagine imagine the pressure and she's like i make maps for a living that's all i do that's all i know as a person yeah but we not maps through the the shadow fold because we can't see it and lastly this 
book has this theme of light versus dark. Mm -hmm. So Mal is the light. The Darkling is the dark. The Darkling's power is obviously literally darkness. And Alina's power is overwhelming light. And I was reading that the shadow in the title is in reference to this light and dark. So the two are conflicting, but they can't exist without each other. Yeah. And that's kind of the whole book. I mean, the the Darkling needs the power of light in order to amplify his power. Mm -hmm. And the light versus dark is basically good versus evil. And Alina discovers that even in order to do good, sometimes you have to sacrifice. Yeah, it's... It's never as easy as it seems. Exactly. Like she, in her mind, she saves Mal and she does the right thing by taking her power away from the Darkling, but she knows that she killed people in the process. She's so guilty about that. Yeah, but it's like she knew that that was the price that Mm -hmm. she had to pay. And she also knows that it's not over and that the Darkling is never going to stop coming for her, which we will find in book two. All right. Are you ready to get to the ratings? Yes, absolutely. I'm actually interested to see what you chose. This is a hard one. I know because there's, I'm a, yeah, because I feel like there's nothing you can really pinpoint that is like, I feel like in every book we read, there's something that you can immediately pull out. Mm-hmm. This one's kind of hard. I mean, I was going to do Volcra, but they're bad, <laughs> allegedly. So I didn't do that. Our rating scale is Keftas. Because when I tell you I wanted that black kefta that Alina wore to the ball, mm-hmm. like a beautiful embroidered black velvet cloak, I know. and her and the Darkling are the only ones wearing black. Oh, this painted a picture for me, mm-hmm. for sure. So how many keftas are you giving this? I gave this one five. Okay. I did. Yeah. When I read this book, I, I, was, I really, really enjoyed it. So I gave it five stars. I like that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or five keftas. I'm giving, Sorry. Yes, Apologies. Five keftas. <laughs> I am giving this four black velvet keftas that I want to be wearing. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed reading it. It's obviously set up for a sequel. So there's a lot of what feel like loose ends, yes. but they don't feel like plot holes. No. So and I was I feel, okay with it. Yeah. And I feel like after, once you read the other two books, it actually really ties everything together really well. She's a really good author. Yeah, I, I'm still shocked that this is her debut novel. Like this is, I mean, we talk a lot about, you know, authors where it's her debut novel. And like, there's certain things that you can point to where you're like, Mm -hmm. oh, you can tell, but you can also tell that this author has a background in writing Mm -hmm. before this book. But I mean, I I loved Alina. I liked seeing her grow as a character. It definitely felt like a YA book to me, especially with the romance parts, but I enjoy YA. So that didn't deter me. But I can see why some people are not into fantasy as a genre. Like it is definitely a lot and you have to just suspend your disbelief and accept that you won't know how to pronounce anything Mm -hmm. before you can really immerse yourself. Listen, we're going to be like immersing you into the fantasy world next year. So get ready because this is nothing compared to the other book. Is there is there like weird dragon sex or something? I don't think I can handle that. No, I think that's the the fourth wing, which is a book I haven't read yet. That one's dragon. Gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Which, which apparently, I mean, I'm sure you've seen the. Have you seen it on TikTok? The fourth wing and then the Iron Flame that just came out. I have oh my the God. fourth wing. I have not read it, but people are obsessed with it. Yeah, and because the new one just came out, right? Yeah, is that why it's it's literally. Everywhere. But it was everywhere even before this came out. Like wow. you couldn't, you couldn't find 
Amazon sold out of it. People, it was the, that popular of a book because I remember I went on to try to go buy it and it mm-hmm. what you couldn't get it. It would be like, okay, you'll get wow. it. You'll get it in June or whatever it was. You'll get it in like three months. You can order it now, but you're not going to get it for three months. And then there was like these special edition ones that people yeah. wanted and I everything. But editions. I don't know. It just, this book just blew up. And I think because mm-hmm. fantasy has really come into play I feel in the book world more so than it ever was because you have Sarah J. Moss who's done like the Throne of Glass series, Akatar, Crescent City. I feel like she's kind of the catalyst that's really thrown all of this into because there's just been so many fantasy books that mm-hmm. I've seen all over Bookstagram. Mm-hmm. And on a deeper level, it's like this form of escapism, mm-hmm. which books already are, but then it's like these elaborate worlds and elaborate universes that you can escape to not only for one book but for a whole series Mm -hmm. and so it's kind of like you know like when you get excited for a book and then you're like oh oh that sucks because it's over now yeah and but it's like you know that something more is coming Mm -hmm. so i totally get why they're so popular i like i said i also get why some people are not into fantasy Mm -hmm. but but i am i mean as long as there's some things that i that baffle me a little bit yeah we'll see if we get there yes. we'll see if we get there that, you know i feel like everyone has a limit <laughs> mine you know? is dragon sex wait what was that oh like in um love in other words oh yes where he was talking about dragon the porn dragon or whatever sex. it was yeah yes. <laughs> yeah that part i was like don't don't go off on this tangent because you're gonna lose me anyway so i think we covered it all yes that's all we have for you today. If you like what you heard, please make sure to follow, subscribe, and rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. If you have any book recommendations or questions for us, you can email us at fullybookedcalfpod at gmail.com. Also, be sure to follow us on our socials, TikTok and Instagram at fullybookedcalfpod to see our upcoming reads. Thanks for checking us out. And remember, if you need us, we're fully booked. Bye. Bye.